Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. This morning as we preach, we continue to speak about the series God is Here. And not just the statement that God is here, the, the, the promise of what that means. And people are coming to church at this time of year and they pop into services and they do a whole bunch of things. And, and, but there's this reality that God is here, Emmanuel, God is with us. What does that mean to you today? Well, when you woke up this morning and you were processing challenges and trials and maybe your body was aching because you decided to play action cricket with your friends this week. Don't do that. And... Um, but maybe you're processing, what does it mean? What, is, what changes when you believe and you understand and the Word tells you that God is here, Emmanuel, never to leave us, never to forsake us? What does that change? For me, it changes everything. It, it brings promise into every possibility. It brings the promise that God's life can break into every bit of death that the enemy tries to put in my life. That where circumstance situations come and I pray. And when I pray and I spend time with Him, that I'm not just shouting to some sealed heaven. I'm speaking to my father. And when I engage my father, he hears my cries for his people and for my family and for the future and for our nation and for our leaders. God is here. God is with us. It changes everything. It's a promise that breaks into all those things. And the promise is what's amazing is, is it breaks into 400 years of silence as we spoke about Zechariah. I'm still astounded by Psalm 16. Go and read it. The promise that he makes my, my boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places, that he makes my lot secure. I've read that so many times, but I ask, would you write it on your walls? Because the more I meet people, I realize this thing. There's a lack of security and surety that the Bible doesn't give us. The Bible gives us the promise that we completely have security and surety, that God takes my lot and where life should be a lottery and it's all if we get that job and if our kids have future and if this, no, not if nothing, God makes my lot secure. So I don't live a lottery. I live a lot that is secure, held in the firm grasp of the glorious King, forever, never to be let go of, paid for by His blood with all the strength of heaven. Anyway, that excited me. And... um I, I, this series is about what changes when God breaks into And I want to speak this morning about the God who brings courage into our confusion. Have you ever had times of confusion in your life? Sammy, oh yes. It's very loud over this part, I won't say. And, um, but confusion. I, I remember coming back. I, I'd played sports in England for a while. My parents had just been liquidated. Things were just in the air. The banks weren't giving student loans. It was just in the air. It was a time of confusion. And my world changed at 21 years old because a life group leader paid for me to go on a men's camp that I didn't want to go on. He said, you're coming. I said, I'm not coming. He said, I'm picking up at four. I said, I haven't paid. He's paid. You're coming. I was pale because I'd been in England for six months through the winter. You could see my veins. I go like Casper, the friendly ghost. Uh, uh, now I'm going away with a bunch of dudes who are going to want to play rag touch rugby and I'm going to show my... I didn't want to go. I just didn't want to be there. I was wanting to be confused. I wanted to stay there. I wanted to wallow there a little bit. I felt like I could. But in a moment of encounter, in a moment of worship, of a couple hundred men worshiping and, and God doing all sorts of things, some of them wanting to fall asleep, some of them wanting to, whatever, God put something deep in my soul that secured me. And before I knew the scripture, he revealed the truth that he is faithful and true and he secures my lot. No 
governments and challenges and economics. People living by the rand. Up and down. Oh, I'm happy today. Oh, I'm sad today. People living by how many likes we get on Facebook. Oh, I'm ecstatic today. Not so happy today. Not so good. Insta hasn't been good to me this week. Where are my Insta followers? They are on holiday. Who takes social media breaks? We can't be like that. God says, I make your lot secure. I paid a price. I want to tell you a story about a man that some of you know, and he has preached a few times in this pulpit. He was on staff at the church for about 18 months. His name's Edwin. Anyone know Edwin van den Hilfe? He's about this big, shoulders this wide, legs not as wide. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he really likes gym, except for legs day. And um, they... they <laughs> And when I moved to Cape Town, I met this man, and he was leading a church in the city, and um, loving it, passion. He'd, he'd, served, he'd studied for six or seven years in the denomination and felt like he couldn't move forward with that denomination, so he went and planted on his own. Read the Bible. The Bible says plant churches, and he planted a church in the city no, with very little support and very few friends. He just went for it and started leading people in the presence of God, planting a church. And he was in about three and a half years in one venue, and... Um, at about 30, 33 years old, took it to another venue. And through circumstance, I'm not going to get into it, and chaos, his church ended up closing. And uh, he, I remember he came. He pitched up a church one day, sat over there somewhere with his girlfriend. And I said, what's happening? So, no, things have gone down. Church is closed. Can I, just, can I just be here with this church? Can I just drive across? He used to live in Camps Bay. Can I just drive across to just be here? And he was here worshiping with you guys. And you didn't even know, but while you were singing behind him, next to him, and around him, he was getting healed and made whole. And then and then that girlfriend that he wanted to marry, that he loved a lot, broke up with him because basically he didn't have a lot to offer. He was a failed pastor at 33 years old, 32 years old, and um, it didn't look so good. The prospects weren't great. And then we decided to bring him on to staff, and he sat on staff. And to be honest, I knew it. He was struggling with measures of brokenness and depression and what's my life about and where's this going? And there's just confusion that reigns. And we'd sit him in staff meetings, and Ed would just sit there. And I knew there was a leader inside. I knew there was more, but he needed to be here. He'd given his life for this thing. He'd poured his, everything into everything of the church, and all he ever knew was being a pastor. And in a moment of, of being here for about a year, I remember God speaking to this man, you, you, cannot, you cannot grow the areas that need to be grown in his life, in the church. He needs to work in the marketplace. And I had to sit him down one day. See, you don't know what goes on behind the scenes sometimes of these guys that get up. And, and this guy's been traveling almost every week for how many weeks, bro? Six months. Every week. And then you see him on Sunday leading us in worship. See, we don't know the sacrifice. and the, We just don't know. And, and God's doing stuff in Edwin's life. Back to Edwin. And I sat with Edwin. I said, Ed, I feel like you've got to go work in the marketplace. I feel like God's sending you to grow you, to do some, a miracle in you. But I'm talking to a guy who'd spent 13 years in ministry. He had six or seven years theology studies. He had nothing to offer the marketplace. And there was confusion and trial and a little bit of not happy with me and all of those things. But then we prayed. I said, we're going to pray and we're going to trust God. And I spoke to someone in the church and they told me about someone who owned businesses. And I phoned that man. I, I gave that CV to that man. He phoned me back. He says, you want me to employ a pastor? 
<laughs> that was his opening line. He said, yes. He said, this man, it'll be, it'll be good for you to employ this man. He's got lots to offer you. He knows nothing about business, but he has a lot to offer you. That was 18 months ago. Not even, 16 months ago. And I remember sitting with Edwin one day. I said, Ed, what's your dream? He says, I want to own a home. I want to get married. And I, wa- I want to feel like everything that I put my energy to is thriving. Last Saturday, I did Edwin's wedding. And um, he met a girl. Yeah, it's amazing. He met a girl in this church who came to this church and fell in love head over heels. So he got his wife. Fourteen months ago, that man took a risk and employed Edwin, and it's thrived. And he's handing over all sorts of things for Edwin. He's got a job he loves. And two months ago, three months ago, they were able to buy a home together. And I tell you that story not because Edwin's amazing. Edwin's, he's just like us, ordinary. But God is faithful. And the Christmas story is so much more than... The Christmas story is about God breaking into the ordinary. And I want to read something about Joseph this morning. And then make three points and we'll be done. Flip, time goes fast. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Yikes. This is cheating. Yeah, mm, Mary. She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife. Number one, simple point, feelings fail us. Obey God. Your feelings will fail you. Just imagine this young man. He's got a plot for his life. He's going to become a rock star carpenter. He's going to marry Mary, his babe. They're going to do life together, and they're just going to get on with it. And they betrothed to be married. All of a sudden, everything changes. The situation completely changes. And an angel, and they haven't heard from God in a long time, an angel breaks and says, actually, what's going to happen here is a little different. It's an amazing thing. He gets this word. That's what's going to happen. See, what if, if I were to stir up your feelings? What if I were to say the word ESCOM to you? What are your feelings? What, are, what about load shedding? If I were to say economics or bonus or no bonus, what are the feelings that come up? In you, there are feelings. He's not denying the feelings. And I love the fact that the Bible says this guy had license to consider his feelings. It says this, says Joseph considered this. He considered his options. I want to tell you at the end of the year, whether you've had a great year, a tough year, you have the right, the privilege, and the prerogative to consider all things. The Bible says so. Sometimes we feel like we've got no options. Just go, no, consider. But then God speaks. I want to tell you, God always speaks. See, Joseph says, what I'm going to consider, I'm a good man. I'm going to consider I could divorce her in a loud way and save face for myself, or I could divorce her quietly. Those he thinks are his only options. God breaks in and says, there's other options when I'm involved. There's always other options when I'm involved. And in that confusion and into that confusion, God speaks. See, obedience 
is taking all the considerations. Faith is facing up all the challenges and still choosing to believe God. As you navigate next year and to make decisions regarding your family, your future, your finances, all your time, your energy, consider all things, but obey God. It's the story of Joseph. I don't think he thought this was the rock star idea. Because you know what's going to happen. He, if he's anything like me, he's going to think, okay, so this is what's going to happen. Jesus is going to be born. But he's not of me. He's of the Holy Spirit. So he's going to come out blonde, blue-eyed, with big. And not look like me. Kind of like my two younger sons. <laughs> blonde, blue-eyed. And actually, now this, I think about that, speaking. And... Um, <laughs> But Joseph is going, he's going to walk the streets. They lived in towns of 80 or 90 people. And in this town of 80 or 90 people, people are going to go, oh, that's Joseph's son. He knows that. He's going to have to live with that. He's going to have to face up to some of the things. Hear what I'm going to tell you. If you want to follow Jesus, to obey Jesus is going to come with some fact that you're going to go to Christmas dinners and lunches and some people are going to misunderstand you. Some of your family are not going to understand you. They're not going to understand why you make the decisions you make. They're not going to understand why you believe some of the things you believe. They're not going to understand why you have hope in situations of circumstances when others wouldn't. Why? Because of who Jesus is and because what Jesus has done. The Christmas story, when we look at Joseph as a young man who should have been tossed into confusion, but out of that confusion, God speaks and courage rises up. God wants to speak into your confusion today. The second point, as we understand, says when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. See, everything in Joseph should have wanted him to run. Everything in Joseph should like not put his hand. I love courage. Sometimes confidence and courage seem to be young men's currencies and the older guys get wisdom and all these things. And I, I think there's a navigating of a life where we can take the courage and pull it into wisdom and understand that there's a life to be walked with courage and wisdom. I've got a nine-year-old boy who doesn't dance. But one day he has, there's a dance competition at a school. So he signs up. Then he gets Shay to teach him a dance. Then he practices for days. And I'm sitting at the back of a packed hall bigger than this, with kids shouting and screaming and, and having all sorts of opinions. And I'm watching this little guy get up and he does his, and the music comes on and he starts breaking down something hectic. And I'm going, where did he get that courage? Where did he get it? Because I want some of it. How many of you think actually you'd walk into more with a bit more courage? Actually, if confusion, the voice of confusion in your world was a little bit lower and the voice of courage was a little bit louder. And God's voice wants to speak in and he wants to call us into courage. I love Edwin got up in a speech and he's talking how about faithful God had been. And he just stops and he points to a 12-year-old boy named Sebastian van der Westhuizen. He just starts to weep. He says, Sebastian... It says, 18 months ago, I was living in your home because uh, your parents welcomed me in to live in a room of your home. And we were on the beach one day. And you asked me what my dream was. And I told you my dream was to have a wife and to buy a home. And in that moment, in that instant, on Malkvost Beach, this 11-year-old boy at the time pulls a 10-rand note out and gives it to Edwin and says, this is the first money for your home. And puts courage 
into a man who's in a state of confusion. And Edwin says in his wedding speech, he invites three kids, the Fundavestas and boys. He points to Sebastian and says, Sebastian, I still have that 10 rand note in my home, in my wallet that you gave me. And it gave me courage. What are the 10 rand notes in your life that God would give from the most unexpected places? Will you see God in them? With faith, will you rise up and allow God to reveal his glory and his wonder and what he wants to do with just 10 rand? Can you buy a home with 10 rand? No, you can't. But can you trust God with 10 rand, the God of the multiplication, the God who feeds the thousands? And lastly, it says this, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Joseph's confusion is shouting everything. But Emmanuel, God with us. You know the amazing thing about the Joseph story that's spectacular? In an age where your name was everything, and a time where names were not just cool sounding and some top of some names left, when names meant something, Joseph, this ordinary man, stuck in confusion, with no hope, no future, and his betrothed wife pregnant by the Holy Spirit, he gets to name Jesus. It says that, and I want to just find that scripture. It says, when Joseph, uh, oh, it says that later in the scripture, I've lost it now, I'm not going to go back. It says that Joseph got to name Jesus. You know the amazing thing about Joseph? Who knows what the rich young ruler's name was? We don't know what his name was. Names were important in Bible times. We know Joseph's name, a carpenter. Not because of his carpentry, but because of his obedience. Because of his trust in God. Because of his faith in a mighty God. Because in the midst of confusion and chaos, he allowed God to break in. I love the promises of the word. Hebrews 13, I will never leave nor forsake you. Zephaniah 3, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over your gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. And then the great commandment that we get sent out. Matthew 28, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. Whatever nation you put your feet in, I'm with you. Whatever circumstance you stand in, I'm with you. Whatever challenge or trial or enemy rise up, I am with you. And Joseph buys into a story where the king of kings can break into this world through the narrowness of a womb. So that men and women stuck in caves of depression and brokenness can keep coming out of those caves. So that those stuck in, stuck in narrative and narrowness and smallness can keep coming out into space. And we see this man, Joseph, breaking out of his confusion into courage. And heaven starts to break out. You know, the amazing thing, he became a protector. He didn't even want this child. He was struggling, wrestling, considering other options, saying, I'm out. I'm going to get a divorce. He becomes the protector of Jesus. When Herod starts looking, the king is looking for Jesus. Who's the one who takes Jesus and moves him on? When the wise men gave the words, it's, it's this guy, Joseph. He picks up the king of kings and takes him to safety. A man lacking courage becomes a man full of courage. I, I want to tell you it's okay to consider. I almost want to give you freedom. I feel like Christians sometimes think faith is, faith is blind to realities. Faith is blind to circumstance. This year has been a year of considering for us. I've considered at times. 
considered challenge and trial, and I've considered friends that have made bad decisions, and I've considered friends who've lost their marriages, and I've considered others that have navigated trial and challenge. But I come back to this point every time. See, I like to sing, and I love the privilege of that, but every time I sing, and I worship God, I'm reminded that He is with me. And every time we worship, God is with us. And I think I've told the story once before, but my wife was really not well when we got back from Qatar. And I was downstairs, and I felt God say, go and worship over your wife. I don't know about you, but it's a weird thing for me to pick up your guitar. And God reminded me of David ministering to Saul, picking up his harp and ministering to Saul. And I began to worship for 45 minutes, just worshiping with my wife in a room. And all my considering stops when I'm in the presence of God. And I don't know what you are considering. I've had people tell me they're considering suicide, they're considering running away, they're considering leaving, they're considering a lot of things. I would ask you to consider God, who brings courage into your confusion if you allow, who takes impossible situations and brings the glory of heaven in those situations. Maybe you're an employer. You're going, I can't pay my bills, and I can't be generous to my people. And everything inside is saying, don't pay bonuses, don't give gifts. I want to ask you to consider the generosity of the glorious God and trust Him. I want to tell you, I want to read Hebrews 12, and then we're done. Just a verse. It carries on. It says, and as members of the church of the firstborn, all our names have been legally registered as citizens of heaven. And we have come before God who judges all and who lives among the spirits of the righteous who have been made perfect in his eyes. By the way, that's you. You've been made perfect in his eyes. And we have come to Jesus who established a new covenant with his blood sprinkled upon the mercy seat. Blood that continues to speak from heaven. He's still speaking. And he's saying forgiveness, a better message than Abel's blood that cries from the earth justice. Maybe your year deserves justice. I want to tell you, Jesus is shouting forgiveness over your life. And then he continues, says, make, make very sure that you never refuse to listen to God when he speaks. For the God who spoke on earth from Sinai is the same God who now speaks from heaven. Those who heard him speak his living word on earth found nowhere to hide. So that what chance is there for us to escape if we turn our backs on God and refuse to hear his warnings as he speaks from heaven? The earth was rocked at the sound of his voice from the mountain, but now he has promised. Once and for all, I will not only shake the systems of the world, but also the unseen powers of the heavenly realm. Now this phrase, once and for all, clearly indicates the final removal of all things that are shaking. What's shaking in your life? It says that is the old order, so that not only what is unshakable will remain. Since we are receiving our rights to an unshakable kingdom, we should be extremely thankful and offer God the purest worship that delights His heart as we lay down our lives in absolute surrender, filled with awe. For our God is a holy, devouring fire. That's who our God is. Can you stand with me? I know that families are going out away. I know that um, some are busy, some are working. But I want to pray the love and the glory of the holy, devouring fire of God over your lives today and over my life. Will you reach out your hands to him if you're comfortable with that? Glorious King, we stand this morning amazed 
again at your wonder and your splendor and your glory and your majesty. All hail, King Jesus. All hail, King Jesus. We worship you, God. I pray, God, strengthen weak knees today. I pray courage to the confused. I pray where considering is going on, I pray your word become alive and real, lighting up steps to take. We trust you, God. We glory and wonder in you, King. I pray your blessing upon every person here today. Every person. I pray your blessing upon them. I pray your blessing upon their time with family. I pray your blessing upon their finances. I pray your blessing upon their coming. I pray your blessing upon their going. I pray your blessing upon every venture and faith venture. I pray give courage for phone calls that need to be made. For fathers and sons and daughters and wives. Whatever phone calls need to be made to make things right. Do it. Do it. All hail King Jesus. We praise you, praise you, praise you, King Jesus.